Chapter Ten of My Flirtations by Ella Hepworth Dixon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ten. I'm surprised now that you English ladies don't come oftener on our side. I should surmise that young ladies have a better time in America than anywhere else on this earth. The deference paid to woman in the United States is one of the most remarkable of our national characteristics. I tell you, you find it in every relation of life there's this divorce act now a man in america will allow his wife to get a divorce from him if they find that they can't agree he would not think of letting his wife take the blame i should say now that that sort of thing was unheard of in this country your men now i should judge would not be apt to take the blame on themselves i have been much struck though with the splendid physical appearance of your young men why in rotten row i have seen more remarkable-looking men in one morning's walk than i should be apt to see in a week on fifth avenue or broadway your tailors now they are one of the most remarkable of your institutions if one may say so you english ladies too are just perfectly lovely your high-bred repose is perfectly fascinating and you are i should judge more affectionate than american women i should say now that you had more heart the trouble is that our society girls don't begin to have any why there was an english nobleman sir john lacklands in new york last winter that man was over seventy-two years of age well he is about to be married to one of the youngest buds of this season the daughter of one of our most prominent railroad kings why the night before i sailed from new york i went to see a girl in madison avenue and there was a handsome young fellow of three-and-twenty who had been calling every evening at that house for some weeks when he left i thought i should congratulate her on her engagement why said she what queer old-fashioned ideas you do have well i don't know but what i'm thinking of marrying but i guess it's his grandfather the millionaire who's to be the happy man christina and i gasped as mr elisha van schuyler at last paused though apparently more to point his story than to take breath in appearance he was tall but not so broad-shouldered as an english man of his height would have been he had a dapper little pointed beard and a moustache and keen intelligent eyes his coat was made by a tailor in savile row we had never seen an american gentleman transatlantic women we had met by the score admired their gowns laughed at their stories and secretly envied their unfailing vivacity but none of the new yorkers and philadelphians that we had known in london had ever appeared to have or seemed to have wasted a thought on any male belongings therefore when mr elisha van schuyler presented himself with a letter of introduction from her grace of birmingham who had known him in her early days in america it was with a feeling of keen curiosity that we undertook to show him the studio and its contents our studio is one of the show ones of london and if mr van schuyler's face fell a little when confronted with papa's portraits he was lavish in his admiration of the beautiful room we don't begin to have anything like this in new york he said giving a comprehensive look round our artists either can't afford to furnish a studio nobody buys american pictures on our side or else they sort of overdo the thing too much tapestry too many suits of mail too many mandolins and too many ivory crucifixes there was a man who studied in paris and thought he'd go home and do the society act as well as paint portraits of the four hundred well that man was as much fun as a goat he just got as thin as a rail and as bald as a coot trying to work the society racket i tell you he had a rocky time 
he took a huge studio in one of the most fashionable parts of new york furnished it perfectly elegantly and began by painting one of our society bells for nothing then he used to lend his studio to polish pianists and spanish dancing girls just to get the four hundred inside his house and they used to crowd right in and drink his tea and his punch and go right away and get their portraits painted by a third-rate frenchman who had fixed up an atelier next door why i tell you that frenchman and here mr van schuyler was fairly launched on another stream of talks which lasted without intermission until he rose rather abruptly to go first he made us a low bow a bow so deep that i have only seen it equalled by that of a russian attache and then he reconsidered the question and shook hands with us one after the other very high up in the air he was evidently under the impression that this was the latest mode of salutation when the heavy tapestry curtains had finally swung back behind him christina called my attention to the fact that both together we had only been allowed to put in three sentences so entirely had our transatlantic guest monopolized the conversation i thought they always said that american women did all the talking said christina dryly but this young man seems to have a fancy for monologues i timed one of his stories that about general horace porter and what's the other man's name chauncey depew and it lasted exactly seventeen minutes by the clock never mind that i retorted this american is going to be amusing and in truth he turned out to be charming after a while when he took to coming pretty often even christina did not mind the length of mr van schuyler's anecdotes he had as i took occasion to point out to christina more than once that desirable thing in man or woman a twinkling eye and he had also a pretty taste in flowers and bonbonnières and a perfect mania for giving theatre parties with dainty little suppers afterwards and later on when we knew him better he had an inexhaustible fund of excellent if slightly irreverent stories he had his little peculiarities to be sure he was never tired of asking questions about the royal family and the house of lords and once one night when we were all dining with him at the savoy he made us write out a list of english duchesses to see how many there were but i don't know any i objected except the duchess of birmingham and she's an american mercy we don't count her said mr alicia van schuyler he was fond of asking tiresome questions too about the birthplaces of famous people in london and he never looked at me i am convinced without seeing me against a fancy background of the tower windsor castle and stratford-on-avon i sometimes feel that he expected me to live up to a famous past but mr van schuyler's stay in london was not without its distractions he wanted to know everybody and everybody seemed pleased to know him he wished all his friends to have a good time at his expense he was generosity itself one could not express the vaguest wish without its being immediately carried out his generosity even took the form of inviting his rivals to dinner and what astonished me even more sending one in with them there was nothing mean or narrow-minded about our new american friend and yet though expansive and voluble we seemed to know him no more intimately at the end of three months than at the end of his first call was there under all his gregariousness a deep-seated reserve christina thought that on the whole she preferred people who talked less and who said more he had to be sure an enormous admiration for englishwomen especially the sort of young woman who rides to hounds sculls a boat and bags her own grouse 
he constantly assured us that if we would cross the herring pond and spend a winter in new york or washington we should at once attain the rank of raging bells though we as constantly disclaimed all intention of competing with the home-grown article on the other side of the atlantic but every day as july verged on august and every one was thinking of the moors and homburg and x mr van schuyler grew more and more civil he looked unutterable things hardly a day passed without a gorgeous bunch of roses being sent i began to wonder what life was like in new york if it was all roses and devotion and boxes at the play my family began to regard me with unwonted tenderness and consideration and it was obvious that they half expected mr elisha van schuyler might carry me off by the next ocean greyhound qualms of conscience an unwanted experience with me began to assail me and more than once i asked myself whether i liked this young man chiefly for himself or for his dollars when that little dinner put an unexpected end to my doubts it was at hurlingham that the last act of the comedy was played the polo ground was thick with wide-sleeved slim-looking women and with broad-shouldered military men whose necks were bronzed by indian sons here one caught the profile of some country-bred girl with neat fair plates tucked away under a straw hat and there a radiant vision of dainty laces and a delicate rose-pink visage half hidden under a vast parasol carefully made-up old men walked mincingly along ogling the prettiest faces as they passed and mentally comparing the beauties of eighteen ninety two with those more fascinating young creatures of thirty years ago it was a mild grey-skied afternoon of mid-july and the sound of the goldstream guards band came softly over the lime-scented air on the lawn in front of the club-house the white-jacketed waiters ran quickly to and fro with trays of tea and strawberries and the checkered light of the huge chinese umbrellas over the tables threw curious little shadows on the faces of the tea-drinkers all around pretty women were nodding and smiling at their bachelor friends over yonder the new beauty was obviously being made love to by somebody else's husband while inside the cool carpetless clubhouse could be seen the profiles of an elderly painted personage in a muslin gown with pink ribbons and of a bored handsome young man who was endeavouring to make peace with the irate lady at the next table two smart city men were lighting their cigarettes after tea mr van schuyler was more than usually confidential that afternoon he told me how he was just perfectly fascinated with london and with london girls how he should like to live here with a sigh and how if he couldn't do that he meant to come just all the time he had had thanks to us a perfectly beautiful time he should never forget it somebody had given a dinner after the polo and now we were sitting on the terrace drinking our coffee listening to the metallic music of the hungarian band and watching the stars appear one by one above the fat bronze-coloured elms mr elisha van schuyler drew his chair a little closer to mine i wonder now if you would like tuxedo like most american things it's on a larger scale than anything you have on this side larger or not i said hastily i shall never see it you know i am always seasick i shall never cross the atlantic well now i call that rough on us i had just made up my mind that when we were married married mr van schuyler why yes i guess now and again when he forgot he was in london mr van schuyler would let drop an occasional guess mamie and i must fix it up soon if we are ever going to mamie's a society girl in buffalo and although i'm willing she should have a good time as long as ever she wants to 
still i think three years is long enough for a fellow to be kept waiting don't you agree with me miss peggy for a minute i was too astonished to speak yes i hastened to say three years is rather a long time but then you've managed haven't you to have a fairly good time yourself well i should smile i imagine mamie would allow that i had better keep my hand in all the time and when we settled down in new york i've been sending cablegrams about a house on fifth avenue all this week i hope you'll come over and make us quite a long visit why you would be just a raging tearing bell i smiled and said i should have to make mrs van schuyler's acquaintance over here and so we talked it over and i preferred my congratulations while mr van schuyler took my hand and held it very hard as he informed me that he meant to settle down in double harness and be a model husband next year he brought his wife to see us at first sight she revealed herself as a restless talkative flirtatious little person who had like her husband a passion for having a good time she had brought a cousin a young man along as she explained so her husband shouldn't have to go around shopping with her he always got mad when she went shopping she expected it was pokey anyhow going around all the time with your own wife if he didn't like the young man she didn't care anyway he was just perfectly sweet mr van schuyler she always alluded to her husband as mr van schuyler was just perfectly devoted to miss peggy he had never allowed anything to interfere with his affection for miss peggy and english young ladies were perfectly lovely anyway mrs van schuyler did not believe in trying to make one's husband domestic if he didn't care for domesticity neither did she she just despised it and meant to live in a hotel while mrs van schuyler was there her husband was strangely silent but it turned out on investigation that he did not appear to find the bond of wedlock calling she allowed him plenty of rope and he was always to be found straying about at the very end of the tether so far i have not heard of either of the van schuylers having applied for a divorce end of chapter ten